Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Curtis, the audacity to cut me off. But I, yeah, geez. My bad. That's okay. We got we got important stuff to get to. Let's get to John Boyle, writer for Seahawks.com. I really com. wanted to hear from John. I know Boyle, you're a I huge fan of John. You were like, Stacy, let's let's wrap it up. Okay, enough with the snapshot. We got to get to John. John Boyle joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. John, how's it going? Listen, when I'm coming on, I expect you to cut off whatever you're doing. A thousand percent. Understood, John. Absolutely understood. We could not wait to get to you because you are live from the Combine. First of all, how are things out in Indy? What's going on? Set the scene for us. Where are you? Uh, I'm actually currently enjoying a little break in the day, and now it's enjoying this freakishly weird, warm Indy weather. It's about 70 degrees and sunny wow. out. So. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the city, but there's a lovely uh, little section of canals around like where the NCA headquarters are and uh yeah just you know enjoying the weather but you know in terms of football stuff it's combine it's crazy and lots of people lots of media and lots of big decisions being made what's up Boyle how you doing Bob I'm good man I'm good good to hear from you hey man I listened to uh John Schneider and Pete Carroll talk and the first thing I think about is when I play poker with my boys. I'm not very good at poker, so I'm, I'm bluffing all day. I'm trying to do outrageous things to make them think I have something that isn't there. When you listen to these guys talk, how much do you think is truth? How much do you think is kind of posturing, a little poker face, trying to get people to react uh, with them being sitting at the number five spot? I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, every team's playing that game, and especially when you're sitting that high, like, the, the stakes are so high with those picks. If you're considering trades, you're considering moving up, moving back. Like, what position do you want? So you, you don't really want anyone to know anything. I think, you know, it'd be fun if we could have a combine where every decision maker has a truth serum and we find out what everyone's really thinking at this thing. But, yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, half-truths going on uh, from everybody, really. Uh, when you're uh, kind of branching off from this, um, when you're looking at the possibility of bringing Gino back, as Bump alluded to, some of what they're talking about is like, yeah, even if we have Gino, we'd love to get a quarterback at number five overall. Um, now, getting a quarterback at number five when you have so much to do defensively uh, would feel really tricky. But how do you personally, John Boyle, feel about some of the quarterback talent that's in this year's draft? I mean, there's, I, I'm not going to pretend I'm a scout who's broken all these guys down, but yeah. you know, there, there's some really good players there. Just from what I have seen and heard about them. And look, I get that thought of you. They haven't been in this situation, and you don't want to be picking yeah. in the top five. You only, you only are this year because you have another team's pick. And you know, if things go well, you're not going to have this chance again. So, if you love one of those guys enough that you know you want to take that top five pick, or let's say you trade back and you're picking seven or nine or whatever. You do it. I mean, it, there's no knock on Geno Smith. He was great this year, and they, they would love to have him back. But, you know, I, I go back to, you know, the Seahawks were totally loved Patrick Mahomes years ago. John Shires talked about this. They, they obviously couldn't get him because he went so high, but they were doing their due diligence if he were to fall further in the first round. And, you know, we've seen what he is. He's the best player in the NFL now. So if those kind of guys, I'm not saying one of those guys is Patrick Mahomes, but if there's somebody you really like, it, you, you take him whether you have your quarterback or not and then sort it all out later. 
John, I um, there's a position that is in dire need, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about it for the Seahawks, and that's the LB spot. We know Jordan Brooks is out, yeah. probably be out most of the season. You have Cody Barton over there, Ben Burkirvin, like Nick Ballore. That's it, right? So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. assuming that they're going to look for a guy, a veteran, to kind of fill that void. How aggressive should they be trying to get a veteran and then in the draft as well? I mean, I think you got to look everywhere at that position. I think they're hoping Jordan Brooks isn't out as long as you said, but you can't really count on him being ready for week one at this point. And, you know, I think bringing Cody Barton back would be a priority at this point if you can get that done. But even if you get him back, you're, you're right. They're going to need to add there. I'd, I'd be shocked to take him out of the draft without addressing that, you know, at some point. And maybe there's a undrafted guy you could add for depth too. They've, they've done pretty well with guys like, you know, John Radigan type. Um, but yeah, I mean, there'll be, there'll be names in free agency. We've all seen the reports of one name that's coming and, they can't talk about him yet because he's not released. But yeah, there's there's plenty of guys they'll be looking at that position. Pete and John were both pretty frank about that. Like that's that's somewhere they gotta take a hard look at because they've got some decisions to make there. Is there anything else that stood out, and really from either Pete or John? But what what was kind of sticking with you after both these press conferences on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, to me, a lot of it was a quarterback talk. I thought it was pretty interesting how open they were about you know, look, we, we want Geno back, but we're also willing to to go get a guy high in the draft. Um, you know, otherwise I think it's just the, the overall, you know, excitement they have and understanding about what this opportunity is. Like you don't get four picks in the first two rounds, hardly ever, especially top five picks. So I think they understand it's a great opportunity, but it's one they got to get right because if they do, it can really set up your future. John, I look at the third receiver spot and I go, oh, they could use one, but you got a one and a two and the tight ends are really your third receiver spot. Um, well, how important is that position to you in this offense, and how early would you go to get a, a receiver in this draft? You realize where I would go makes no difference to them. So um, <laughs> You don't know that, John. <laughs> no one's asking my opinion. I'm asking. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an important spot. I think, you know, they like that they're getting out of Goodwin before he got hurt, but if there's somebody, you know, I, look, I, I don't know how they evaluate guys. I guess maybe it surprised me to take the first round pick because you have more pressing needs. But if there's somebody in the second round or whatever, sure. I mean, the third receiver in today's NFL is playing, you know, 60% of your snaps and is essentially a starter. So that's that's a big spot for them if they can find a, a young, you know, they've really been trying to nail that spot for a long time. You look at, you know, they they had Doug Baldwin and, and Tyler Lockett forever, and then Baldwin retires and you plug DK Metcalf in. So they've had a, a great top two forever, but really the last years has been trying a lot of different guys out. So if they – find somebody young that they can really step into that and be that guy for a long time, I, I think it can make a lot of sense. Hey, uh, John, we know that the combine uh, on paper is like you go, you watch guys do workouts and you see how they are. Uh, in mm-hmm. in practice, it's a little more complicated. I mean, if you're a team like the Seahawks, what are you really using the combine for? Because it's a couple different things. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, not just for the Seahawks, for every team, it's the medical side. And that's really what this event started as. Is yeah. It was a okay, somewhere in the middle of the country where it's most convenient for the most people to get and do all these medical checks. And that's still, you know, it doesn't get seen. It's totally behind the scenes, obviously, for privacy reasons. So we don't see it. But that's the biggest part of this. And then it's just getting to know guys. It's these interviews, you know, the formal ones that they do, these 15-minute ones, but also just informal meetings they set up. Um, you know, you have business stuff going on with, you know, all the agents are here. So it's it's just sort of this big NFL convention where just about everything's going on. But Player evaluation, as much as the you know, watching guys run and jump is fun. That's probably scouts to tell you the the third thing behind mm-hmm. medical stuff, and then just getting to know guys a little better. And then it, you know, Pete Carroll talked about this with Tariq Wool, and maybe you go look a little more at a guy when oh, 
that guy's six four and ran four two six. Okay, he's already on our radar, but let's take a little deeper dive and things like that can come out of that. But generally, you're not you know finding a guy who you weren't already really high on and suddenly making him a first round pick based on a combine performance. John, when's the uh, the last combine performance you've seen? Where you just walked away like, wow, that was great. I've seen I've seen Aaron Donald as of late. Obviously, you had John Ross with the four two, but just a complete performance where you walked away extremely impressed. I mean, going with a, a guy that's not enough with that point to DK, uh, Woolen obviously too, but but DK just for a guy that big to do what he did, running and jumping, and it was just kind of like, okay, this guy's he's different, he's special, and obviously he's shown that the last few years. Um, so we've talked a, a little bit about uh, linebacker when, when Bump brought it up. What's a position you're mm-hmm. eager to see them um, potentially explore in free agency? I mean, we had the news about Austin Blythe. Uh, obviously, they've got some places on the defensive line to look, but, you know, who knows what spending's going to look like. I mean, when you're looking at free agency, what position would you be surprised if they didn't come away with something there? Yeah, I mean, other than linebacker, I think I'd probably point to the offensive line. Not necessarily that you're going to go get your starting center in, instead of drafting a guy, but you see teams do this all the time. It's, you, you use these use free agency almost like kind of a draft hedge of like, okay, we know we really like these offensive linemen, but you can't predict the draft that it's always going to fall the way you want it to. So you might sign a veteran center. I mean, they've got guys on their roster who could compete for that job as well, but you might sign a veteran guy that like, look, we're going to bring you in, and if we draft a guy, you're, you guys are going to compete with each other for the starting job. So I think I think you see him add something there for sure. And then, you know, we talked about receiver as well. I, I think, you know, if they bring – I don't know what's going on with Marquis Goodwin if he wants to come back. If they want him back, we've never really heard much about him. But if, if they don't bring him back, I think that's what they can address a lot. Yeah. John, I look at the secondary. I see Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. When you play that that nickel look, Jamal, Ryan Neal, Mike Jackson, Trey Brown, and I go, I think they're, I think they're okay at that position. Would you be surprised if they uh, if they drafted a corner later? Is that just really what they do to make sure they got some depth there? I wouldn't be surprised at all if they draft one later. It might surprise me if you use one of those early picks on them, uh, both because as you laid out, you know they have some pretty good players there, but also. You know, they just haven't drafted cornerbacks early. So, you know, it, John Schneider is always fond of saying, you know, they never feel like they have it nailed. You know, you could have two all-pro cornerbacks and two all-pro safeties, and they'd still look at it just to make sure they're not missing anything. So, you know, if there's a guy in those mid to late rounds, I, I could certainly see it. But, yeah, I mean, that's a position you definitely don't go into the draft thinking like, oh, God, we have to find somebody because they, they got a lot of guys they really like. Uh, we spoke with Uchenna Nwosu at last night's mm-hmm. Seattle Sports Star of the Year Awards, and we asked him, like, hey, you weren't working maybe directly with Sean Desai since he was more of a defensive backs guy, also an associate head coach. But, like, and he quickly corrected us. He was like, no, no, no. Doc was great. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I mean, they've lost. Yeah, they, they uh, Desai going to Philadelphia, obviously, they'd already lost Dave Canales to Tampa Bay. And congratulations to both those guys. But, you know, behind yeah. the scenes, um, what's the impact of the loss of both those guys? And then what's the answer for Seattle there? What might they do? Yeah, you know, the, the side was interesting because Pete Carroll talked about this off the podium. Is that this happened so late because of the Eagles in the Super Bowl and right. losing their coordinator late in the process. There's not a ton of guys still out there. And it's also, it was kind of a unique position they really created to get Sean Desai here. Yeah. They, you know, they, they wanted Clinton Hurd as their coordinator, but they also really wanted Desai on board. So I don't know if you necessarily – see that position filled with the exact same spot but they'll you know they'll take some look at some guys who are out there i'm sure um in terms of the loss yeah i mean for a guy who's only here a year players just rave about him and they call him doc because he's just such a smart dude so 
he'll be missed for sure. But, you know, as Pete Carroll says, you know, they, they miss these guys. You know, they've counseled with them forever. But you also root for them to, to get these opportunities mm-hmm. and succeed. So, it's, you know, it's tough for the Seahawks in the short term, but you're happy for them for their success as well. I look at the the size situation, and when he left, I, I said to myself, Anastasia, I go, this is why he was brought here, you know what I mean, to, yeah. to learn and to move on. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a big surprise that he did move on. Um, is that something, I would assume that's something that Pete Carroll takes pride in, right, especially at where he is oh, in his career. Sure. He wants guys to move on and succeed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he's always taking pride in that, whether, you know, the Gus Bradleys and Dan Quinn's getting head coaching jobs early on. I just ran into Dan Quinn actually earlier, so uh, I'll tell him hello from Seattle. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's something to that. Of it, you, one, it's just kind of a personal part. I think, like, hey, we're, we're good. We're winning games, and that's why people want our guys. But also, Pete Carroll's point out, it's a lot easier to hire good coaches when guys leave because you don't want to be seen as this team that's making it hard for guys. You're yeah. blocking interviews. You're, you know, putting out – bad stuff behind the scenes about them so they don't get these promotions. So even though it can hurt to lose a good coach, it's going to make you a lot more attractive to a good young coach if he knows, like, hey, this place can help me rise up in my career. You going to get out there and try to run the 40 yourself, John? Try any of those drills? No, I, uh, I'm, I think I'm too old for that now. I'd probably pull something. I, uh, my, I probably my, combine, my media combine days are over. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I hope not. Uh, all right. Well, John, we appreciate you taking the time. Oh, I hope that you do appear in the media combine again for the Seahawks. I would absolutely love it. And uh, uh, in the meantime, we'll we appreciate your Seahawks insight with us. Uh, again, you can follow uh, John's coverage on Seahawks.com. He, I'm sure going to have uh, more stuff from Indy and in the meantime he's got uh recaps from those uh press conferences with pete and john you can follow those on his own feed at john p boyle thanks so much john thanks john all right let's get to four down territory this is four down territory going inside, inside the, the game. game with former seahawks and coog wide receiver michael bumpus speaking of the combine we heard from a lot of gms niners gm john lynch said they may bring in a veteran quarterback as both brock purdy and trey lance recover from season-ending injuries who would be the best fit for san francisco before we talk about who it is let's talk about what the san francisco 49er offense is they threw the ball 51.3 percent of the time so half the time they're running the football you don't need a guy who's going to stand in the pocket all day and throw that thing they average 2.3 seconds per throw in the nfl that's top six that means they're getting the football out quickly and they were also hit 40 times when passing the football that's like the top 10 fewest when it comes to that so you're, you need a quarterback who can diagnose the defense get the ball out quickly and make correct decisions they were also pressured 16 percent of the time why you ask because if you do get after the quarterback I and they're ask. getting the football out quickly in 2.3 seconds what do the Niners do? Those crossing routes are going to get it to these guys. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle on the run, and they're going to let them get loose. So you're looking for a veteran quarterback quarterback to come in, run the offense, get the football out quickly, and uh, be able to move just a little bit. I look at Marcus Mariota. As soon as he was released by ATL, I'm thinking he might be a good fit in San Francisco. Why? He's good with the RPOs. 90 RPO pass attempts in the NFL last year. That's good for second. 32 rush attempts out of the RPO. That's good for number one. We know the San Francisco 49ers run some RPO. 26 scrambles for 7.4 yards. This guy can move. Now you look at his throw chart in comparison to Brock Purdy's throw chart. Brock Purdy loved to hit the left side of the field in the intermediate to long. All right. We got Marcus Mariota, the right side of the field, intermediate to long. I'll look at a play and just say, flip that. You can call the same plays because they like hitting the same spots. Marcus Mariota is good enough to be the band-aid right now. I'm not saying you bring this guy in and he's competing for a number one spot. You bring him in and say, 
okay, if these guys don't work out, you hold it down until Brock Purdy is ready because he understands this offense. That's just where Marcus Mariota is in his career. I think he fits perfectly in this 49er offense, and he can run the football a little bit. You got to go with Marcus. It really would be something, particularly if, you know, knock on wood, I hope it's Seattle, but if San Francisco is represented in the NFC Championship game, that they would have made it to three out of four NFC Conference Championship games, made it to two Super Bowls, and done it with Jimmy G, Brock Purdy, Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Right. Like, that would be absolutely insane. Second down. Jordan Love's chances of finally taking over for the Packers is looking like a reality every day. Why should the Packers give him a chance to shine and move on from Rodgers? Rodgers is a great football player, four-time MVP, Super Bowl champ. Not going to take that away from him. But at some point, you got to see what this young man can do. Jordan Love was drafted 26th overall in 2020. He's played in 10 games in three seasons. He had one start. 56 attempts, one touchdown, one interception. He's got one more year in his contract. You want to see what he can do. Is he the next guy or are you moving on? And also, this reminds me of a familiar situation when Rodgers backed up Brett Favre for three seasons and then he did his thing. Now, Rodgers will have a $31 million cap hit. You add some dead money, it's going to be more than that. But you save yourself some money there as well. And also, all right, you can go draft some guys for this young man. You got the 15th overall pick and the 45th pick that's in the second round. All right, with that 15th overall pick, so far, these mock drafts, I've seen Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. Then, within that second-round pick, you can draft yourself a wide receiver. I'm seeing this receiver out of LSU. I say that to go, look, you cut or release or trade, excuse me, trade Aaron Rodgers, boom, you save some money, and you can go surround this young man with some talent. You already got a running back who signed a deal, good to go, gave you the homie discount as well on Aaron Jones. It's set up for Jordan Love to take over. You just have to see what he's made of. You just don't know. So at this point with Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying, all right, man, you don't know what you're going to do. You're in the darkness. You're in the light now. You're, you're still dragging this thing out. In the darkness. I just say, look, man, go with Jordan Love and see what you got. Because eventually, what are you going to do with Aaron Rodgers? One or two more years? Start yeah. down. Start fresh. Start over. Third down. How should the Seahawks address linebacker in the draft? One, they need to draft one. Yes. I, I'd look at that that uh, number 37 pick in the second round and maybe that number 52 pick in the second round and you go and get yourself a linebacker. You also need to get one in free agency, a veteran at that. Now, the three that I'm looking at is Henry Tooto out of Alabama, man. He is 6'2", 230 pounds. This guy has good instincts. He is good sniffing out the screens. Okay, I'll say it again. Good with the screens. In Seattle, we get hit for screens. We don't hit the screens. He will help you in that situation. He's a natural tackler, has long arms, plays with some tenacity. The other kid I'm looking at, Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Bars. 6'3", 240 Keep pounds. bars for yourself. I can say it all day. Pat myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but he is a linebacker slash safety. That means he's just a hybrid. Like, he's fast enough to play safety. He's big enough to play linebacker. I see the Seahawks defense, and they want to be fast, mm-hmm. right? When you bring in that that dime package. You want to have a linebacker in there who can still run around. So what do you do? You bring in another DB, a Ryan Neal, a Jamal's already yeah. going to be in there. And it allows you to play physical and still be fast if you have a guy like this on the field. Dayon Henley, the other kid, does the same thing for this defense. 6'1", 230 pounds. He's a bit undersized, but he's good in space. He can cover ground. And how many times have we seen receivers running behind our linebackers just getting wide open and making plays? Dayon Henley is great at that. Those are my three that I would take a strong look at. Why did the Seahawks struggle so much with both running screens uh, or executing screens rather and then defending them like it's like the screen is their kryptonite regardless of era 
Well, screens is all timing and feel. But the linemen got to have to count one, one thousand, two, one thousand. Boom. Then they got to go and just block jerseys. And now it's the footwork and the deception by the quarterback. You're looking downfield. You keep your eyes on the safety. Keep the DBs back. And then, boom, you hit it to your running back. And now there's a relationship between the linemen and the running back. The running back have to make the linemen right. The linemen, you just go block. Typically, you have one lineman who's going to kick out and find the corner or the furthest outside defender. Then the rest of these guys are just reacting. Because if you do a good job as a quarterback, yeah. you got the whole defense flowing one way and everyone else releasing. You really just got to take care of the corner and the safety, then block jersey after that. We just can't seem to figure that out. That's what I'm saying. It's like you say you really just have to take care of the corner and the safety. And what I hear is, and you'll never be able to, so deal with it. That's what <laughs> it feels like. It. Fourth down. I'll throw that on, too. In addition to Jalen Carter at number five jumping into Lake Union, it'll be like screen for a touchdown jumping into Lake (laughs) Union. What comments have you heard from coaches and GMs that make it abundantly clear we are in the NFL offseason? Oh, that's time of the year. I just mentioned one. Lynch is saying, look, we're interested in bringing a veteran in. You know, we got two young guys don't know how they're going to heal, but we'll bring a guy in. You got Pete Carroll saying, look, we're not ruling out picking a quarterback at number five. Guys behind us, Atlanta, Carolina. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're interested, come on and move up. Then you got McDaniel saying over there in Vegas, look, we want a quarterback who's here for a long time. So what are you saying? Are you are you foreshadowing? Are you saying, look, with this number seven seven pick, we're going to try to move up and go get a quarterback. We want somebody young. And then you got Pittsburgh saying something crazy, like, we want Mitch Trubisky here for a long time. Uh, like, that's why? just, you're lying to my face. You got Kenny Pickett over there. So all I'm saying is, coaches and GMs are going to say a lot of stuff right now. Some of this is true. Some of this is not true. That's just the time of year that we are in. And as I'm prepping for the show, I'm just looking at all these quotes and stuff i go speculation season in full effect right now you wait until march 15th you talk about speculation it's going down (laughs) we want mitch trubisky here for a long time long time it's my favorite let's see what's on tap this is what's on tap with bump and stacy brought to you by dick's driving so folks what's on tap? we do have a couple games coming up on thursday but what i'm going to tell you about instead are some important deadlines in the nhl and nfl the nhl trade deadline is on friday The franchise tag deadline in the NFL is on Tuesday. Those are two dates to keep in mind. Again, March 3rd for NHL uh, and March 7th for the NFL. That's What's on Tap brought to you by Dick's Drive-In. Coming up next, the latest from Scott Service. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. You guys remember that episode of Saved by the Bell? I'm kind of like... Dipping back into the time machine here where, what's her name? Jessie, the blonde girl. She um, takes a bunch of caffeine pills. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly that. I'm so scared. That happened in real life uh, just recently. And uh, Illinois uh, player Matthew Mayer, according to Derek Piper's covering the team, said that he's been sick the past few days with caffeine poisoning. He, unlike Jesse, was not taking caffeine pills to try to study. Uh, Instead, he drank five Monster Energy drinks while playing video games on Sunday, (laughs) and it's his first day back at practice. Five? Five! They're like tall boys. Five Monster Energy drinks. My heart would explode. I would die. I would simply die. (laughs) You know what? I have, um, I'll have every now and then... I have a little, one of those little things of Red Bull, and I typically don't do energy drinks. Do you get jittery? I get jittery as heck. (laughs) My wife looks at me like, bro, calm down. (laughs) What is wrong with you? (laughs) I'll I'll get jittery after like a cup of coffee. 
I can't uh, imagine oh. five monsters. Now this guy, I think he's like six eight, six nine. Like still, he's a big dude. That's still, but still too much. Yes, it's five One giant maximum. monster energy yeah. drinks. You had caffeine poisoning, <laughs> and you've been sick the last several days. That means you opened your fourth, and you thought. I'll still have I could two go more. for another. I could go for another. Yeah. I could go for a fresh one after this. Also, if you're drinking five Monster Energy drinks, you've got to be up for 48 hours, right? Oh, yeah. You're There's up. no way. There's no way. It's you're just up. such a Lots dumb of sugar thing to too. do. That is, the crash is crazy. Such a college kid. Someone said, I'm so scared, Zach. Bumps, bumps, I'm so scared. I'm moving on here. Scott Service uh, spoke with uh, Brock and Salk um, about, uh, well, about spring training, what makes this one different. Um, but he has a couple other things in here I want to touch on. I will let you guys know, one of these cuts is kind of long, but I've got to play it. So just as a heads up, it's, it's, it's over a minute, but I want to talk about it because we asked Brandon about it. Scott Service talks about whether or how other teams should fear this roster. For us, you know, it starts on the mound. We have guys with stuff. We have guys that go after you. We attack. You know what I mean? And we talk all the time about controlling the strike zone, dominate the zone, and you do that on the mound by go getting strike one, and we have guys that do that are not afraid. I think on the other side, you know, in the batter's box, you know, we didn't hit for the highest batting average last year, but we found a way to get guys on base. We were second in the American League in drawing walks. We created opportunities. And then in the second half, we figured out how to hit home runs. And that was pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> along the way, you start playing against teams. And you, you know people in the other dugout. And they're like, oh, man, we hate pitching against your guys. You guys, get, we get you down to 0-2, 1-2, and it's foul ball, foul ball, ball. All of a sudden, you look up. We've wasted nine pitches, and then we walked a guy. You know, it's, it's a Hagerty. It's a Demo. It's a guy they're not really, like, that worried about. But all of a sudden, that guy... Doing those little things really good changed the course of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, as a manager, it's something I, I, I wish, I hoped we could grow into. Certainly got to have the right personnel to be able to do that. You have a belief system amongst your organization that this is valuable. Guys buy in. It's working. We are uncomfortable to play against. I want to get as uncomfortable as we can. Part of that will tie into maybe the new rules, you know, and, and what we do there as far as, you know, being aggressive on the bases and some different things we're going to try to incorporate as spring training goes along. But uh, looking forward to the season. I, I really am. Last year was great, but like I said at the end of last year, I said it to our team opening day, we're just getting started. I like the way he described it in hearing the full context of like part of it is that idea of kind of catching people off guard and that's what makes you scary. That Part of what made the Mariners scary was that they would beat you when you thought you had them beat. Good at-bats from guys you're not expecting to have good at-bats. He yeah. mentioned Demo and Haggerty, man, were you're down, you're ahead in the count, and they are still battling. They're fouling balls off. All of a sudden, that pitch count goes from 20 to 32 real quick, and you're warming up a reliever. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the type of things that those you are the want best out of those moments. guys. Yeah. Like, there were plenty of moments from the Mariners season, uh, particularly in May when the offense was struggling, where I'd be, like, pulling my hair out. And then there were moments where you just felt like they didn't see this coming, they being the opponent. Right. And it was so satisfying because you were like, this team is catching people off guard. And it was stuff like that. You're right. Good at bats from people you were least expecting. It's like Haggerty gets on first and then they have someone drive him home and then someone else gets on there and you're thinking, yeah, is, you just face, you know, <laughs> six, seven, eight. It's Haggerty get on first, still second. Yeah. You know, got to run yeah. out of scoring position. You know what I'm saying? Good you stuff. knock him in. I love it. Uh, all right. Uh, Scott Service, speaking of Haggerty and some of these guys, thank goodness he's out there um, and able to get some of that speed back. But talked about some of the athleticism of this group as a whole. I think the biggest thing, you know, and I, and I think it's by design. And I always think, like, do they look the part when they step off the bus? You know, that, that all line. I think mm-hmm. we do. We mm-hmm. do look the part when we step off the bus. And, you know, you see the young pitchers walking around here. And, and you know, it, it helps to be six foot four, 230 pounds. And even if you're only 22 or 23 years old, 
the projection is there on these guys. And you see young Harry Ford walk around. Harry Ford's put together. Yes. And we he saw just, that just turned 20 years old. You know what I mean? So the first box is checked. They look yep. the part. <laughs> I yep. think the, filling in the other boxes takes a little time. Uh, I think that Scott Service very much values a team that is uh, not defensive focused, but great defense and then a really athletic team as well. Nothing wrong with having athletes out there. No, I will say <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend it. Yeah, you want guys <laughs> to play good defense, right? You're going to keep you in the in the game, especially when you have pitchers on the mound who are going to have some good outings. I mean, that's how they won most of their games last yeah. year, right? One run wins. They were, what, top two or three in the league when it comes to that? Uh, yeah, so you need guys in the center field who are getting paid over $300 million to go and try to rob yes. home runs in spring. Uh, well, someone who wanted to badly rob a home run and didn't get a chance to is Julio. He ended up running into a wall trying to do it. I know you guys had a heart attack. Thankfully, he's okay. Here's how Scott was feeling. I had my eye on him, and then I came in, and uh, he says, oh, I'm fine. I said, I thought you were going to catch it, man. <laughs> and he said, oh, I'll catch that in Seattle. Don't worry about it. I got that T-Mobile. And he gives me one of these. It's the no-fly zone. T-Mobile's the no- I said, I know Julio. Mobile's a no-fly zone. Uh, it was uh, unbelievable. He almost caught that ball. Uh, and, you know, you have to play the game. You can't worry about don't run into this wall or don't slide into this space. You have to go play the game. That's what makes – that's the beauty of Julio. It's it's uh, the innocence, the joy that he plays with, and they don't ever want to take that away. And, uh, you know, fortunately didn't get hurt. Nothing happened there. We'll move on to today. He's actually off today. Played back-to-back days. He's off today. He'll be back in tomorrow. Bump scale of 1 to 10. How validated do you feel hearing Service defend that play and say, that's absolutely right. you got to play like that. I mean, Service is a is an athlete. He is. He knows how it goes. I don't feel validated. I just, that's what's supposed to happen. No, but you two connected um, when we had the Scott Service show over that so often. Like, he would frequently be like, Bump, you know how it is. Because he was, as you mentioned, not just a manager, but a former athlete. And I think often felt like there are some things that athletes appreciate and respect that fans, you know, it makes your heart stop. But, like, yeah. you guys would get. There's no way service was going to talk to Julio on the dugout and be like, man, calm down. Why are you doing that, man? You know, <laughs> take your time. Nah, he appreciates that stuff, man. You want your leaders to lead by example. And that's exactly what Julio did on that play. Now, if I'm his teammates, I'm patting him on the butt and be like, man, you got to make that play, dog. You know, give him a little bit. Come on, Mr. 300, 400 mil. Make that play. Uh, all right, so a uh, quick update from uh, the game here. Curtis, what do you got quickly in the last uh, minute? the next pitch. Julio skies one, left field. It's deep. It's got some carry. The wind's got a hold of it, and there it goes. A home run for Julio Rodriguez. Julio gets the Mariners on the board. It's 5-1 Chicago here in the fifth. They got a 1-1 pitch. That's that, not where it ends. Oh, oh. What the, else? The very next batter. Here's Kelnick, a high drive. Left center field. That baby's going to carry out onto the berm. J.K. with a home run his third of the season. Back-to-back home runs for the Mariners here in the fifth. It's 5-2 Cubs. That's a back-to-back J.J. homer. Hey, what, what B.G. said this. Shannon Dreyer said this. Larry said this. Don't get excited over spring baseball. Let's go, Jerry. <laughs> Let's go. I want to see it. I need to see it. I'm going to get excited. I'm basic. I will be basic no, right I now. Allow, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'm excited, too. Get your questions in for what I need to know. We're wrapping up the show with it. 866-979-3776. Any question you have, text it now to the Mac and Jack's text line. 866-979-3776. That's next. Bump and Stacy. 
powered through the Alaska Airline Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. It's what I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, Electric. Get your questions into the Mac and Jack's text line now eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. All right, let's get to some questions here. Oh, by the way, this doesn't have to be sports at all. It could be absolutely uh, anything for like. Stacy prefers not. I, I prefer not sports because I think they're funny. We do have some sports ones. I'm going to start with like a sports that's like a fun sports one. From JD in the 509, what I need to know, would you rather be on the call? So you are doing all out play-by-play or color commentary, whatever. You are on the call for a walk-off home run or a game-ending touchdown. Walk-off home run, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Here, Goldsmith just let loose on those. Rick let loose on those. Yeah, uh, I would much rather be on the call for a walk-off home run. Yeah, yeah the game-ending touchdown is just a different flavor. Like the... Yeah, no, without without I feel fail. Like with a game winning touchdown, you kind of see it happening already. You know, you feel the, the offense drive gets moving. down to the red yeah. zone. Yeah, well, and yeah. it feels more like luck because a game ending touchdown would presumably be a hail mary because otherwise the other team gets a chance to respond, <laughs> mm-hmm. no matter what. Like walk off home run for you know uh, the home team, bottom of the ninth, like it's done. It's a, <laughs> it's a wrap. That's it. The, That's the final get to play. Talk as they trot around the bases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I need to know. Um, so yesterday we talked about uh, Bump's bench in his shower. We also talked about bidets and how we're all afraid to use them. Uh, this person said, what I need to know, sticking with Bump's bidets and benches, good name for a segment. What would be the silliest feature of your dream home? I would take a McDonald's ball pit in my <laughs> guest room. Uh, it wouldn't be silly. It's just real. I want a dope simulator. A with golf like simulator? A golf simulator with like a oh, bar. Oh, I was like, wait, what? You know what I'm I got no. I was thinking of the pitching simulator earlier that we were talking about with oh, the, Shannon. The trajectory. Did you see how I was staring at you just now? Like, why? Yeah, I got to give, I gotta give my game right. Bump wants a track man device. He's going to go down to driveline and ask him what their setup That's is. That's actually a really dope feature, though. That's not the silliest feature silly? of my dream home. I, a slide going from upstairs to downstairs. That's a silly feature. That's go. a silly feature. On Curtis, some, what about uh, you? Rich type stuff. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know. An indoor pool would be pretty silly, right? I mean, that'd be... I don't know if it's uh, silly, but that'd be kind of cool to have, right? Indoor pool, not yeah. silly, pretty cool. It's much like the Top Golf Simulator. Absurd. Like Maybe it's like something a batting really cool. cage then in indoors. Batting cage, but in your pantry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine would be. Um, oh, I would want one of those things that you see in commercials when people take. They like sit in a chair and it automatically goes down <laughs> the stairs on the wall. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I would want one of those. <laughs> Uh, what I need to know, thinking of solo traveling to Seattle sometime, I've heard that's a bad idea due to crime. What? Is that truth or a myth? Well, let me say every crime city everywhere. has crime. There's crime everywhere. Yeah. to you. Just yeah. uh, when it's dark, take your butt inside then. Yeah. I don't, solo traveling to anywhere in the country is, I think, not roughly the same. I wouldn't put Seattle up there with like the most dangerous place you could possibly go to. Nah, no, go to Seattle, man. Although, look, did. the weather right now, not great. Yeah. Not fantastic. I would maybe wait just a little bit. Um, what I need to know. So we've had questions like this before, but this one's with a specific position. Um, the Mariners and Seahawks players switch sports. Which Mariner plays quarterback? Which Seahawk is the best hitter? Which Mariner plays quarterback? I'm going to go with Robbie Ray. For quarterback? Yeah. Lefty? 
Yeah. It's got to get the gunslinger mentality. Yeah. You know, it's a shame that, like, Taylor Trammell or Kyle Lewis, because they both played some football, right? Kyle Lewis is. I, I, I know that. That's Before so anyone texts in and says that, I know that. Please give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm just saying. I said it's a shame. It's not. I feel like Julio would be a wide receiver. Yeah. Just have him. But you have to be quarterback. Well, they've got guys that can throw, Stacey. they got many guys that can throw. Okay. Um, someone said indoor pool, more like an indoor water okay. park. Yeah, sure. uh, don't ask Russ that question. He'll just say a 13th bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Uh, what's your steak order? Oh, my God. Also, I learned something fascinating about steak, but what's your steak order? Your most expensive steak. Do you go <laughs> yeah, rare? Give me that one. Yeah. Nah, medium. Okay. Someone told me that when you order steak, um, like medium rare, the red stuff isn't blood. Correct. I didn't know that. I, that's why I was yeah. always like, why do people get steaks that raw? That's disgusting. There's literally you know blood coming out. You know when I started out. doing that? I used to disrespect the steak and go, well done. Uh, <laughs> I and then jerky. And, and then dip it in ketchup. That's what I used to do. Then I went on my on our anniversary about two, three years ago. Um, a waiter put me up on game. He goes, look, man, you don't want well done. Trust me on this. Bye, 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 bye. I'm like, all right, man, this is nasty. You're paying yeah. for this $75 steak. And it was bomb. Someone who enjoyed your I'm so scared, Zach, reference said, I'm constantly making 80s and 90s pop culture references, for instance, Saved by the Bell, and they're all totally over my wife's head. It drives me absolutely nuts because she's only two years younger than me. How do I cope with this? Please advise. How do you cope? You just keep doing them over and over <laughs> and over again. Eventually, you'll repeat some. The thing about being married on. is that you can say your jokes as much as you want, and she's hopefully not going to go anywhere. Like. Hey. Deal with it. I it's guess. Matrimony, man. I guess. Uh, what I need to know: um, What's more likely, a repeat All Star season from Julio, or repeat disaster of a season from Russ? What's more likely? Um, I think Julio, because I think it's more likely that Russ. It is not that difficult for Russ to move up from where he was last year. Depends what disaster. We have sixteen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. I he think. did nothing. I mean, he was. A horrible career year in every single category. Like, you have Sean Payton. You have a little bit of humble pie that you had to eat. Um, you've been able to accept that you could probably use a run game. And not only that, but they're going to have more of a run game because they lost uh, what's, uh, Williams. Mm-hmm. Jamal Williams uh, pretty early in the year, like game one. Uh, I think it is more likely that Julio is an all-star again than it is that Russ repeats last season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, What I need to know, um, you can... Wait, what I need to know, you can follow... The life. The life, thank you. You can follow the life of any Seattle sports player. Who would it be and why? Who would it be? I'm going in the past. I'm going King Griffey. Oh, I'm going King Griffey. Can I say, so at that event last night, they had a picture from an Alaska Airlines event when Ken Griffey was still a rookie. And it was peak, not only peak 80s, it was 89, but it was like literally a yellow sign on a tree that said autographs and Ken Griffey Jr. sitting at a picnic table for employees. (laughs) Think of, I know that, you know, and in 89, everyone thought, oh, Ken Griffey Jr., he's going to be a superstar, obviously, so it's not like there weren't expectations, but it's so wild to think of what he became, not just for the Mariners, for, but for baseball, and here's this picture of him in 1989, sitting at a table autographs. that says, autographs. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple people around, like, hey. 
<laughs> Hope this works out. Can you sign this for me? Those autographs worth a lot now. All right, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow, 10 a.m. for Michael Bumpus for Curtis Rogers. I'm Stacey Rost. Wyman and Bob coming up next.